Hello, I'm Andrew Gentile. And I'm Ariana. And you're listening to Behind the Flicks. This show is all about me sharing as many facts as I know about filmmaking and directors and behind the scenes info about movies and whatnot to Ariana. And you'll join us for the ride. This episode's guest is a filmmaker, actor, speaker, and creator of Channel Surfing Studios. And please correct me if I get your last name uh, incorrect. Paul Loudon? Paul Loudon, just like my voice, slightly too loud. Paul Loudon. Paul, yes. welcome to Behind the Flex. How are you? Thank you for having me. And just for the record, I know it sounds so impressive and sexy. Channel Surfing Studios, right? As if I've got this massive uh, area of land that I've built on. And, and the truth is, when I created these sketches, I was living in a studio apartment. So it's oh, a studio apartment. Studio sounds... You know, no, independent, independent career studios this is the, doesn't even have a studio. It's uh, it's me and my shared bedroom with uh, three room with uh, four, three other roommates and Ariana. How many roommates yeah, do you have? Three. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there is no, there's no independent career studios. It's just it's ambiguous. It's a little, it's a little bit everywhere. It doesn't need a certain space. Like when someone gives you their business card, it says president, owner, and CEO. You know they're doing it out of their garage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It's how Steve Jobs got Make, started. Making up for something. Exactly. <laughs> Do you want to uh, give give us a bit of like what you're doing in your life in terms of filming? Let the let the people know what, what you're up to. Sure. As we talked about briefly, I went to San Francisco State Film School. Um, and I will jump back in time and, and not go in the actual chronological order. But before that, I was a working stand-up comic. And I did that for five years and uh, it was an amazing run. And I, especially since I was so young, I had nothing to fear. And I, being ignorant was a blessing. I just did shows seven days a week. And after two years, it became my job. And that's sort of where I learned the structure of humor. Then I went to film school in San Francisco State. But even before that, I was doing, you may have heard this before, public access. Dun, dun, dun. And my public access show was called Around the Dial because people used to watch the TV and click around the dial. And it was sketch comedy. And leading into Airplane, these guys all started out doing sketches, sketch comedy. And I grew up watching short form. And what I mean by that is not just clips of Chaplin, uh, smaller Chaplin movies, but Three Stooges cartoons, which I consider short form. And it was really always the Three Stooges that really stood out to me. And then later on started watching Benny Hill and even early SNL. And despite, you know, being a stand-up comic and going to film school, my love has always been short form. And as soon as I finished film school, I started doing sketches and I've been doing them ever since. Uh, on stage, very silly, slapstick, absurd, physical comedy after the world changed and technology became affordable and easier for a 10-year period i produced a large number of shorts actually uh, 40 shorts over a 10-year period an average of two and a half minutes long and i'm proud to say this uh, i say it with a humble confidence that the production value was very high because i treated each project like a film and i have compiled them put them all together and we'll start having screenings and things of that nature. I don't know if I'm going to submit to film festivals, not quite my thing. Uh, I'd like to put on my own events. How do you go about doing that? You just kind of run out your own place and, and sell a few tickets to your friends and get them to sell some? Or 
Oh, what I do is because they're my friends, I don't want anyone to pay. So what I do is I connect it with a cancer organization so that it is a nonprofit 501c3, which allows people to donate. And part of the reason I do that is not only uh, have I gone through cancer and recovered from it, but also it's an opportunity for people out there in the world to see someone who's gone through cancer for a five-year period, a very difficult, challenging five-year period. And then they see this after 10 years doing all this very challenging work and getting results. And then we do the events and people see this and they laugh and they have a good time. And for a few short minutes, they, they don't think about how cancer has impacted their lives. And my friends and family have a wonderful day. And it's not, I don't have to worry or focus on selling or filling up the theater because it doesn't matter how many people come. I don't lose money. I only gain the opportunity of being able to share what I've created. And oftentimes people hear about the event and they still donate to the cancer organization, even if they don't attend. So I'm looking forward to doing another event next March 19th here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm at now. And the event is called Comedy Crushes Cancer. And Andrew uh, may have a different approach than I do, but when I work on films, I try to know as little about the technical aspects so I can focus on the performance, meaning I did what the Zucker Abrams Zucker people did. I had three directors. I had the director of the actors. I had the director of the lights, who's the director of the photography. And I had uh, someone directing with the camera. So in a way we all had, I had a, an assistant director, I guess you could say, or co-director, which would be better. And he worked with the director of photography. So I would have, I would have a conversation with the actors and we'd be rehearsing and preparing. Then I'd have a conversation with my co-director and we talk, and then I have a conversation with the director of photography. And I would say, this is how I wanted to feel. This is the idea. And then we never talked again until we filmed. Wow. And it's so interesting that I'm a huge fan of the uh, filmmakers of Zucker, Abram Zucker, because they had three guys, two brothers uh, and childhood friends made this movie. And it was essentially only their second movie that they had ever made. Their first movie, you know, I'm kind of segueing into it, but it's, you know, as a person in the entertainment industry, I have to make their movie about me, right? That's uh, make it about me. Um, the fact that they wrote Airplane and went out and tried to sell it. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted it. So they had a friend, a fairly, fairly well-known guy named John Landis, uh, who said to them, you know, you guys are funny in your little sketch show at your Kentucky Fried Theater. Why don't you just make a movie like that? And he was a kind of a known person. They made Kentucky Fried Movie. It did well enough for them to make Airplane bonkers they had never even worked on a set before until they did kentucky fried movie they learned on the set just by watching john landis i learned a lot about the filmmakers uh of of airplane and their background of doing sketch comedy uh growing up together the two brothers and then uh, abram's just childhood friends they take the original film, Zero Hour, that Airplane was mostly based on, I mean, the script is almost identical. And I know they did uh, 
based also some of it on the 1970s, it's a series of films about airport. airport. Yeah, airport, exactly. So, but mainly Zero Hour was so, the script was so similar that they were worried about copyright infringement that they actually purchased the script just to be saved for $2,500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I learned that from, I, I was talking to someone who teaches film and they told me that. They said, I said, what about parodies? What are the laws and what are the rules? I mean, how did Airplane get away with it? Uh, they yeah. bought the script for $2,500. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so there we go. So I sort of already segued. I don't know if I uh, yeah. cut into some of the questions you have prepared there. Let's see here. You got, I, that, that's a page of my facts gone. Um, <laughs> Ariana, can we get a review of this episode's film? Oh boy. The movie of Airplane. It's really just about a boy who loves a girl and chases her onto the airplane that she works as a uh, flight attendant. <laughs> and um, he's got some some war trauma. He used to fly planes. Some, something mysterious happened and things exploded, at least in his memory. And suddenly everybody on the plane gets sick, and including all of the pilots, except for the um what I, the, the autopilot the autopilot the autopilot the autopilot uh i don't even know the word for that thing blow up, blow up <laughs> the blow, blow up blow autopilot. autopilot oh man that guy and yeah. he has to take he has to land the plane and deal with his trauma and there I, there's so many jokes there's not a missed opportunity for for them to make fun of something and um it's just it really does feel like a movie made up of a bunch of little sketches thrown into like a, a similar environment kind of um i andrew knows this about me that i don't do very well with comedies i am um, uh -oh. i feel like satire and parodies they're comedies for smart people and I'm a bit of a movie simpleton. I like no feel goods that are easy to understand. I don't have to think about it. I go in, I feel good, I leave. Or I'm impressed with the acting, and I go in and I leave and I'm done. So movies like this are hard for me to swallow. Uh, so as a reviewer for me, um, listeners don't listen to anything I ever have to say really about comedies because I'm super biased. <laughs> <laughs> so this one was hard for me to get through i it, it it took some real focusing for me to like try to in, enjoy it <laughs> sorry guys uh so for me this is like at like a c and in terms of enjoyment i know that i'm getting some real blank stares and i also have a roommate that is absolutely <laughs> good night everybody bye andrew <laughs> Keep in mind, Ariana, keep in mind that it's actually a love story. And at the end, they get together because he overcomes his trauma by saving everybody on the plane. So that might take it up to a C plus. Yes. Yes. It does come full circle. It does. You, you get the ending you want. Yes. Which is a, which is a winner. <laughs> Andrew, come back, Andrew. Uh, he'll, he'll be here You need to eventually. tell the people what this movie is really like. <laughs> or for smarter moviegoers than me. Well, it's interesting um, because when we watch films that we are not huge fans of, we have to look at it from a different perspective. 
And there are times when I watch specific types of films that I generally don't enjoy. And then after watching them, I think, well, that was a pretty good film. I, I, it was okay for me, which tells me that for someone who loves that genre, it might be phenomenal. I, I, get, I did laugh. I did laugh several times. There's some really ridiculously funny parts in there. I think my, my favorite part was probably the guitar and the girl with the, mm -hmm. the IV coming out of her arm. Because yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was just so ridiculous and hilarious. Um and the the blow up autopilot the was blow just, up autopilot and they did every joke you could possibly do with that thing it was great everything yeah <laughs> and I think part of someone who is not a huge fan of this uh genre still can laugh and there are several reasons for it because it's a brilliant combination of very well written wordplay double entendre combined with physical comedy. And simultaneously, it is pulled together by a film that has a through line because it is based on an existing film already, Zero Hour, if I'm not mistaken, when oftentimes sketch movies feel like they wrote a bunch of funny sketches and they piece them together, whereas this does have a beginning, middle, and end, and a resolution, a midpoint, and so on. And I think that's also what provides a higher quality and why this film has withstood the, the test of time. Um, it's kind of a, at the time it became a benchmark for comedy. And the other aspect of it, which you may or may not know, and a lot of people don't know this, is that they primarily used non-comedic actors. In fact, they took actors from some of the films that they liked, where uh, even from the airplane- uh, Airport? the airport movies and brought them such as if I'm not mistaken like let's say Robert Stack and it's funny because when you think about some of the actors who almost played the role uh, Stryker who's the main guy was almost played by David Letterman and you just think wow different because you know he's tongue-in-cheek and he's self-aware but he's not a dramatic actor Leslie Nielsen Leslie Nielsen was only known for dramatic movies Forbidden Planet and Poseidon Adventure Exactly. Think about the fact that Don DeLuise turned it down. What would it have been like if a slapstick comedic actor had done that? And again, to share how this has influenced me, when I've done my shows, I primarily have hired or brought on actors who have no background in comedy, stand-up, or improv. And the reason is this style of humor, as I describe it, is real people in exaggerated situations. So when you have dramatic actors, they focus. Like if you've ever seen Liam Neeson in a comedy, he's hilarious because he is so serious. <laughs> uh, if you think about, was it Ted? Ted 2. Ted 2, when he's asking about the tricks, he wants to buy some cereal and he says, I understand it. These are only for children. Will the police come after me if I still get it as an adult? Uh, it's just, <laughs> and he's so intense and serious. And so I primarily use actors who have dramatic training, and I intentionally try not to use actors who have improv or stand-up or sketch comedy background, which is kind of hypocritical because that is specifically my background. But my material is 
real people and exaggerated situations. And the exciting thing for me is that also sometimes we'll see uh, a musical artist or a painter or, or an author come out with a huge successful book or song or album. It's kind of hard to follow up on yourself. Mm-hmm. The sophomore blues. And although Airplane really is, you know, some people say it's one of the funniest. And when you when it comes to being ranked, it's always in the top three. Yeah, it's, it's often even ranked as one of the, some of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, but as far as comedies, it's generally in the top three. But those three filmmakers for the next 10, 20, 30 years continue to, ha- to have great success. And when I say by success, meaning that they made content that made people laugh. <clears throat> Maybe it didn't garner them a trillion dollars, but the fact that they made so many other brilliant, whether it be Police Squad or Hot Shots, or they, they continue to make brilliant movies hilarious movies not only not just parodies but primarily parodies but the fact that you could have such great success and not have it uh, internally eat you up and destroy because oftentimes when people have great success at the beginning it's tough to continue it's a real challenge yeah yeah well you, you know how uh airplane got started right like how they found out the idea how they found zero hour if i remember they used to watch uh, the kentucky fried movie the three guys zucker abrams zucker. kentucky fried theater kentucky fried theater thank you that they would just watch old movies and kind of make jokes and do right and write some things and then one night they accidentally watched zero hour and they thought it was funny even though it was intended to be dramatic and they thought well, this would be a good comedy. Is that is that accurate? The I, I close uh, to my research, uh, very close. Uh, apparently, they would videotape um, like like a late night commercials in order to find material for their sketches at the Kentucky Fried Theater, which they created. And in order to get and so they just would record the commercials just to see, hey, this this is funny. We can steal this. We can steal that. And then, and then tell our audience and then use those jokes on our, on our audience. Uh, mm-hmm. And then one of those, uh, on those, one of those videotapes was zero hour. That's, that's a story I, I heard. And you know, it's interesting. Uh, I did see an interview with, uh, I think it was Jerry, Jerry Zucker. He said that the original script had commercials in it. Really? Oh, 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 you mean, oh you, mean, you mean of airplane? Yeah of airplane had commercials in it and the the studio said no nah, it doesn't quite work because you know what if five years from now ten years from now we want to distribute it somewhere else so they removed it and then they went they they actually met if i'm not mistaken with michael eisner when he was at paramount and they wanted to make the movie in black and white as the original movie zero hour was and he said no but if you make it in color I'll give you the money and we'll make this movie starting tomorrow. And they made it in color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they did. I think it would have a different feel if it was black and white. I think so too. I, I, I feel like I should provide the listeners to a little context. Uh, when you say zero hour is the same structure as uh, airplane, 
let, let me explain how similar it is. Zero Hour is about a guilt-ridden ex-pilot who is forced back to the job after the crew of a commercial flight falls ill from food poison fish. That's how similar it is. Wow. You know, it's so funny. Recently, and this is and my... Zero Hour is a drama, by the way. Zero Hour is a drama, and this is my guilty pleasure, and I, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit it. I really like going on TikTok. It's fun. And why? Because I will watch uh what they call a split screen where they have zero hour and then they have airplane watching the scenes how they literally did what you would do as a stand-up uh as a stand-up you would lead in with something that sounds real that comes from a place of honesty and you would set it up and just as you're about to deliver the last part you set it in the opposite direction and that's where the humor comes in and when you watch it side by side, it'll be dialogue, 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 joke, dialogue, 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 joke. And some of it is identical. And in fact, the casting, my God, whoever did the casting should have received like an extra donut or something. Yeah. <laughs> because even the lead actress or the lead actors, they physically look the same. They even talk, even the voice of the lead actress who had this angelic 1957 style of acting voice, even though it was 1980. Mm -hmm. It was just the casting. And when even the little scenes with a husband and wife, when one person is getting sick or the pilots, uh, just how they matched it up. So, and, and you could tell what they did was they just framed it almost identical to the original film as much as possible. This movie had a great deal of older actors, seasoned actors, seasoned dramatic actors. Yeah. That jive um, woman? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I could, she was so serious. That's what made that part so funny. I think that's probably, I laughed the hardest during that whole conversation. Well, you know I, who that actress is, right? No. No, I don't. She's the mom from Leave it to Beaver. From an old show. That's all about sweet America and da da da. And she was known as America's sweetheart. So for her to go on to that movie and do that shocked everyone. What's the rating on this movie? PG. PG. It's PG? It was PG. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You go through it. They don't really use any bad language. But you, you see some stuff. There's a lot of double entendres. Well, the suggestions. There, I mean, depending, I, I don't know what cut of the movie you saw, but uh, on the Blu-ray, you see a woman's boobs, you know? Yeah, oh, but, oh yeah, yeah. That's true. You know what? No, You're everybody right. forgets that. Everybody forgets that. But honestly, Paul, you, you you took all my facts. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, I did. Yeah, no, I, I, had, I had about two pages written to facts and you covered all. Paul, my final question for you, it is where can people follow you? What do you have to promote? If anyone does want to watch any of my silly sketches, it is Channel Surfing Studios. I'm Paul Loudon, L-A-U-D-E-N. Thank you. Listeners, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to shoot us an email at independentcareerstudios at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please write a review, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or YouTube. We'd love to hear your feedback. Behind the Flicks was created by myself and Ariana. I edited this episode. 
My name is Aaron Gentile. This has been Independent Career Studios production. Mm-hmm.